Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Side Sports Podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Brandon. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Uh, the NFL playoffs are in full swing, and we got you covered from what happened over Wild Card Weekend to what's going to happen in the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, there were a lot of exciting games this weekend. Uh, hopefully you had a chance to watch them. But I think we absolutely have to start with the Los Angeles Chargers. What in the absolute heck was that? I have zero clue. I mean, it, I think they let off the gas. I mean, honestly, you you had a 27-point lead. You gave up a touchdown before the half, which is fine, whatever. But then you score three points after that, and you just lose. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how that happens as a professional football team, especially I'm not going to say the Chargers are super good, but they're not bad. I mean, they're definitely, you know, I'd say a top 10 team in the league, um, or at least Justin Herbert is. Uh, he may not have the support system around him, but that's just awful. Um, I don't think you can really blame that on uh, any specific player. Obviously, people were blaming Joey Bosa a lot for his costly penalty. Um, but, I mean, if you watch the replays, the, he was walking to a sideline after a bad play, and the ref got in his face. That was one of them, and then that was a, a clear offsides. Um, so, I mean, blame who you want at the end of the day. It's a it's a team thing. Defense has to step up and not let them score. Charger, uh, the offense has to continue to score. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's I, I spent some time thinking about it because at first I didn't want to blame Justin Herbert for it because I was like, you know, the offense got you the 27 nothing lead, so, like, the defense should make that stand. But at the same time, the defense helped build the 27-point lead because they got five turnovers. So it's like, like you said, it's a team sport, so I put blame on, on everybody. I mean, the offense can't come out in the second half and get complacent and score three points in 30 minutes. Um, you know, the defense can't dominate one half. And, I mean, they, obviously you're not going to get five turnovers each half, right? But... And you knew Jacksonville was going to score some points in the second half because they're going to be throwing it a lot. You're going to be playing prevent defense more often. So I get all that. But you can't let the game get away from you and you can't lose. Right? Like, And and I, I think it's easy to blame Joey Bosa because like that's all something that everyone watching the game, like we saw him throw his helmet. We saw him get flagged for certain things. And so it's easy to point to that and be like, see, that's what cost him the game. But those were already those were things that happened over the course of Jacksonville scoring four or five drives in a row. So like, obviously didn't come down to two plays. I just think that's easy to point to as like the thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, the players you can't play that well in one half and play so bad in the next one. Like that's why a game is four quarters. You have to be consistent for sixty minutes, not thirty. So, yeah. and it's just really crazy when you look at the Chargers' history over time. Even going back to San Diego with Phillip Rivers, the fact that they just continuously blow games, and whether it's missed field goals to win it, or interceptions late in the fourth quarter, or turnover, or crazy penalty, or just like the most bizarre ways possible. It's almost like it's almost like the Cowboys in certain ways. 
the way that they just, I mean, the Cowboys are like right there about to win a game and then Dez somehow didn't catch it. Or Aaron Rodgers makes an incredible throw and indoors playoff game kick is going wide left and it just sneaks back in. There's no wind in the stadium. Like it's just, you can't believe it until it happens and you're like, how in the hell did that just happen? It's just, it's wild to me. And another thing, you know, what does that mean for Justin Herbert? Is he going to be potentially looking for somewhere else to go? What does that mean for the Chargers coaching staff? I mean, like you said, it's a team sport. And, you know, that also includes the players. Or, I'm sorry, the coaches. Um, you know, the the GM of that team has to has a big decision when it comes to uh, Joe Lombardi and his staff. You know, um, they did say today... If they were going to keep the head coach, they did fire their offensive coordinator, which I just feel like, I feel like that just has more to do with, they they need to blame somebody for that, right? Like, and you're not getting rid of Justin Herbert. You're not getting rid of Joey Bosa. So you got to get rid of a coach because it's the only thing you can reasonably do. But you can't just bring everybody back and be like, oh, that didn't happen. Like, because it happened. So, um, and then the bad thing about, Justin Herbert is like, even if the Chargers continue to struggle and he wanted out, the Chargers would just control him for years with franchise tag and all the different things. It's kind of one of the bad things about the NFL is a team can own you for, like if you're a first round pick, you automatically get a four-year contract with an option Mm -hmm. for a fifth year. So if you play good those first four, the team can be like, oh, Let's exercise our option for that fifth year. So then you get a fifth year. And then you can be franchise tagged reasonably two times. You can technically franchise tag somebody an unlimited number of times. It's just the price of the tag goes up year after year. Yeah. And there's percent increase after each. I think it's 10% increase on the second time and then like 25% the third time and so on and so forth. But, um, I mean, technically, a first-round pick, you're stuck with that team for seven years minimum, which is just crazy. Yeah. But it's just the way it is. Um, let's see. We went. Uh, we both went 5-1 and one in our game picks, so we picked the same teams to win all the games. Uh, the only game we got wrong was the Chargers and Jags game. We both picked Los Angeles, and they blew the 27-point lead. So that's kind of unfortunate because... Without that, we both would have had a perfect weekend, and we were having a perfect weekend up until we weren't. Um, but that brings our overall record on the year to uh, you're at forty six and twenty one, and I'm at forty eight and nineteen. It's still within reach. So it's very very good. Uh, you're creeping close to seventy percent, and I'm creeping closer to like seventy two, seventy three percent. So, not doing bad. No. Oh, and we haven't made our game picks for this weekend, but I've already wrote them down. I'm assuming what your picks are going to be, so I'm interested to see if I got them right or not. I'm interested to see if you got them right. Uh, So, we'll get to that later. Um, Let's see. From this past weekend, uh, the 49ers dominated the Seahawks. It's not a surprise. We don't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, Bills, they they had a close game against the Dolphins. I was pretty surprised. Yeah. you know, obviously with Josh Allen turning the ball over three times in that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, that tends to keep bad teams around until the end. Uh, but, I mean, I, I kind of feel like at the end of the day, 
the Dolphins didn't have to, uh, they had a rookie quarterback playing. And you're just, you're not winning a game in Buffalo with a rookie quarterback unless he plays absolutely out of his mind. And he played well. And not even just, not even just a third, uh, a rookie quarterback, but a third string quarterback at that. It's not even like, you know, he got drafted and became a second string or even a starter. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, like I felt like that was, I mean, you were a 13 and a half point underdog and you lost by three. So definitely nothing to hang your head on about that at all. Nope. Um, Minnesota, I mean, all year, me and you and a lot of people, it's not just us, kind of doubted if Minnesota was very good because they just, I think they were, they were 11 and 0 in one possession games, one score games. Yeah. And, and that's just, I mean, that's not sustainable. Like. You can every time a game comes down to a field goal, you're not going to find yourself on the right side of that. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, and obviously, this one didn't come down to a field goal, but you know, it did come down to one possession. And you're just like I said, you're not going to win every single one possession game. And I think we talked about it, it was just that prime time Kirk Cousins. It was the only game on. I think it's just something about everybody watching that game, a national t- televised game that uh, he plays poorly in. Yeah, I mean, do you think he thinks about it? Like, because I, I don't think when the game starts, he thinks about, like, oh, God, everyone in America is watching this game. Like, I don't think it gets in his head like that. I just think, I just think heading into the game, like, like subconsciously, he knows that it's a primetime game and everybody exactly. will be watching. Yeah, like, it's like, not like you, it's not like before the game, you're, all right, what am I playing? What time am I playing? How many people are watching? Is it? Is everybody playing at once, or, or am I playing by myself? I, I think it's like this, and it's not a hundred percent true. I know that you know he's. I want to say he has single-digit wins and double-digit losses in prime time, and that's where that that joke, so to speak, comes from. I I think it's all in his head. You know, I don't think it's. I think it's subconscious. Yeah, I agree. I. And I don't even know at this point in his career if it's something... Like, I just think that's going to be something he's always going to be known for. I don't see mm-hmm. how that could just change overnight. Yeah. Um, Bengals and Ravens was pretty close, but it's also they were playing each other for the second time in two weeks. Um, you know, divisional rival, third time in the season. AFC North teams always play each other really tough, really close, low scoring. Um, but, I mean, you and, mentioned if they had Lamar, like, might yeah, be different. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If if Lamar Jackson in that game was in that game, um, I, I think it, instead of uh, Tyler Huntley, I believe it was, I think that game could have ended up much different. It would have been either closer. or Ravens might have come away with a win. Yeah, and it's always tough to say. Like it's it's easy to look back and be like, if Lamar was in that game, they might have won. But it's like, mm-hmm. if Lamar was playing, the Bengals probably would have practiced harder, planned differently, run different plays. Like it's. There's so many layers to it, but it's so easy to look back on and be like, oh, the Ravens only lost by, you know, four or seven or whatever. So it's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, if Lamar was there, he probably would have won the game. But who says the game plays out that way if he plays the whole thing? So uh, anyway, Bengals come out on top. Uh, and then on Monday night, the Cowboys, um, somewhat surprisingly, depending on kind of what what side of the fence you fall on. Um, surprisingly won, or I guess not really surprising that they won, but in, in what fashion they won. Like, it wasn't close. 
you know, like yeah. I was, it uh, uh, it as a Cowboys fan, that was a game I was ecstatic to watch. Obviously, with Brett Maher having the issues that he had, I was stressing out a little bit. But seeing the Cowboys just absolutely blow out Tom Brady, losing, uh, or I should say winning to Tom Brady for the first time um, in his career, I mean, that's one heck of a win. We beat all odds. We've struggled in that stadium. We've struggled wearing the Navy uniforms. We've struggled against Tom Brady, uh, grass fields. I mean, the whole nine. I you put one more thing out there and we had that extra thing is Brett Maher. Um, you know, everything combined and we still beat all odds and not only beat them, but I would say it stomped them. Yeah, it was really exciting. I, um, you know, obviously you and I both, we predicted that they would win. Um, and part of that's just, I'm not going to pick against my team. I guess just, why would I do that? Um, unless I just feel, like, if Dak wasn't playing or something, like, I'm not going to pick yep. the Cowboys to win. But, like, all things considered, I just, I'm not going to pick against my team unless I just genuinely feel like they're not going to win. But I just don't see as a fan how I could possibly do that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, I mean, that, that, that potentially could have been Brady's last game. I don't really think it was, but, I mean, it could have been, so... I think that there's a lot of potential for him to be traded somewhere, and obviously we'll discuss that at a later date when we don't have multiple games to discuss and it's more off-season or, you know, Pro Bowl weekend when there's not much going on. Yeah, well, he's a free agent. Like, he's not under contract for next year with Tampa, so. Doesn't mean he can't sign with them, though. So, I uh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll go back to Tampa. I, did you hear his post-game press conference? He was kind of saying bye to the, to the media a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was... I don't think he even knows. I think he said that um, he was going to give it a few weeks and, you know, enjoy the next, uh, you know, few days, few weeks, few months, whatever it may end up being. He didn't have anything to say. He didn't, you know, agree or disagree with any uh, retirement rumors. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Um, I just hope whatever he decides to do, retire, don't retire, whatever. Um, I just hope that he doesn't, do the whole oh i'm gonna retire and then i'm just kidding i'm back back. yeah yep um so just don't do that because that's that's annoying um so with that being said that kind of sets up a very good weekend of divisional round football um first game is gonna be saturday it's gonna be uh jags at the chiefs followed by the giants at the eagles and then sunday we have the bengals at the bills and the Cowboys at the Niners. Um, so we can kind of start. We can start wherever you want. I mean, we can break down whatever game you want to start with. Honestly, the Jags and Chiefs, um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I feel like that is a given. Granted, we said that last week about the Chargers. Um, but I think the Jags might, seeing what they did against the Chargers, I don't think they're going to let up. Um, they're going to try and do the best that they can and keep stay in that game. Ultimately, though, um, if Patrick Mahomes can stay on it, that should be uh, either it's either going to be a blowout for the Chiefs or it's going to be a really close game. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think it'll be closer than people expect, especially first quarter, second quarter. But 
I think by the third quarter, there's going to be no doubt that Jacksonville is a good story. Uh, but they have a long way to go towards being competitive in the top of the conference with the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills. Um, you know, but I mean, that's that's not to take away from anything that they've done. I mean, no one expected them to make the playoffs, and late in the season, they needed a five or six game win streak just to win the division from Tennessee. Um, so even if they get blown out by the Chiefs, it's not like one of those like hang your head going into the off season you feel bad about how the season ended like no one expected them to make it this far yeah i certainly did in the right direction yeah i didn't expect them to even win a playoff game so um you know that's those are all positive steps in the right direction for a franchise that you know outside of that one year in 2017 where they went to the afc title game like they haven't really known much success so yeah um but that also means next year there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of expectations to improve. You know, yeah, you're not going to um, be the underdog anymore. What What about this uh, next game, Giants Eagles? Obviously, I know who we're rooting for, but what do you What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, um, obviously, as Cowboys fans, I I think. Well, I don't even want to say obviously. I don't. I've been thinking about this all week. I don't know. I mean, I guess from a pure like what I think would be the easier route to go I guess as a fan you would be rooting for the Giants but you know at the same time like if the Giants are able to win that game coming off of beating Minnesota in Minnesota which is a tough place to play um, you know say what you want about the Vikings defense it's still a tough environment to play in um, yeah, so go outside in the environments of Philadelphia. Uh, it's going to be tough, but um, yeah. So if they if they're able to win in Minnesota, win in Philly, I think that makes the Giants a little scary to play too because that means they're on a hot streak, you know. And yeah. you look at what they did in two thousand seven, winning the Super Bowl, and then two thousand eleven, winning the Super Bowl. Both years they were a wild card, went on the road, won all their games, got hot at the right time. It's like we've seen them do this before not that long ago um so i don't want to say playing the giants would necessarily be ideal because in this situation they're on a hot streak so you don't ever want to play a team on a hot streak but that being said i think it's gonna be closer than people think i don't think the eagles are just gonna beat them by 30 yeah obviously i mean like you said as a cowboys fan uh i want the giants to win um obviously we'll break down uh and give our game picks later. But um, I'm one of the Giants to win this one just because it's uh, it would make it, it's a double edged sword because obviously the Eagles are a very tough team. Um, no matter it, you can't deny that at the end of the day. Um, and you know, the Giants get on a hot streak, and now we have a tough uh conference championship, and you know, you don't want that necessarily either, but um. Yeah, all I'm hoping for really is a good game. Um, you know, both teams playing hard. I don't blowouts are no fun in uh, playoffs. Regular season, it is what it is. But these are supposed to be the best teams in each uh, conference. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting with some of these top teams. And you look at uh, their schedule and and who they've played. A lot of these top teams, like haven't necessarily had the toughest schedule like yeah. um you know we I, we've 
talked about before Philadelphia, and I'm not saying that they're not good because of it. I'm just saying that if you wanted to find a reason to be skeptical, all you have to do is look at the quarterbacks that they have played and look at who the best quarterbacks they've beaten are. And it's not really that impressive of a list, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of years, um, unless your team is just really good, a lot of times when you do approach 11, 12, 13, 14 win seasons, part of that is because you had a, you know, advantage schedule wise. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think there's teams that like, there's not a team out there that just goes, fi- you know, wins 15 games every year and has the hardest schedule. Like that just doesn't happen. So we're not saying that because you had a weak schedule, you're not good. It's just, I want to give background into why someone has 13 wins or 14 yep. wins and just be honest about the conversation. Now, it's totally fine to say, ah, oh, you know, they didn't really play a lot of great quarterbacks. Their schedule was kind of easy. And then at the same time, in the same sentence, say, but obviously the Eagles are a very good team, probably one of the top four, top three teams in the league. So not taking anything away from what they've done. But I'm just saying, if you're somebody who's like, can you point to one thing that you think makes the Eagles beatable? And I would say it's, they haven't necessarily proven that they can beat the best teams. So, And at the end of the day, I mean, these are all NFL teams. These aren't, you know, high school teams or college teams. These are still professionals. So I, I don't know if you can necessarily count anybody out because, you know, they played every fourth seed in the league and wiped them out. You know, I, I wouldn't sleep on any team uh, no matter how hard the schedule is. Yeah, and the other thing, too, when, when you get this far into the playoffs, like divisional round on, there's not a bad team left, right? Like, yeah, there are still teams that are, you know, here, like super, super good, and teams that are here that are just pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think outside of Jacksonville, you could argue at different parts of the year, the 49ers have been considered the best team. The Cowboys at certain points have been considered by some to be the best team. The Eagles, certainly. Chiefs, of course. Bills, no doubt. Yeah. You know, Bengals. Like, no one's ever thought Jacksonville was the best team. But outside of that, oh, and I guess the Giants. No one's ever thought they were the best team. But outside of those two, like the other six, like at different points of the year, you can make a very good argument that nobody was playing better than them. So I'm pretty excited to see a lot of these games. Um, yeah, as am I. You know, and especially the Eagles-Giants one that, that we're finishing up talking about here. Um, you know, the first meeting, the Eagles obviously destroyed the Giants in New York. wasn't close. Over by halftime, pretty much. Um, and the second game was closer, but the Giants rested all their starters. Last game of the regular season didn't matter. And I heard the Giants coach actually say they just didn't want to give anything away in case they see them later down the road. And I kind of chuckled to myself because I was like, okay, like, whatever see them down the road when you think you're going to the championship game like come on yeah <laughs> and then here we are two weeks later and they're, and they're the one eight. game away yeah and i was like oh shit okay then um so yeah good job by them to not you know not show their cards and uh, i think i think they'll be ready to play it'll be uh mm-hmm. it'll be a good game to watch yeah uh what about this other one on sunday we got the bills and Bengals. 
that is going to be an exhilarating game. Obviously, we know how the last matchup between these two ended. Um, and, you know, obviously it ended uh, best case scenario. But I'm excited to see a true matchup between these two teams. Um, you know, we saw one drive from both teams, so we didn't see a whole lot. But we know both these teams have, you know, the utmost respect for each other. But they're also trying to go to the conference championship. Um, Joe Burrow, he's been on one this year. Um, and so has Josh Allen. I mean, both teams have been playing out of their minds. But, you know, I think this is going to come down to the wire. Um, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago whenever they played initially. And uh, and he was saying he, he thought the that the Bengals were going to just, you know, it was going to be a close one for the first half, and then it was going to be a blowout in the second half for the in favor of the Bengals. But I don't genuinely believe that. I think this is going to be a really close game all the way through. Um, even with the Bills at a five and a half point favorite, you know, I think the I think the Bengals could keep it closer than that. Well, and uh, interesting nugget for this game: um, the Bengals with Joe Burrow at quarterback have never lost on the road in the playoffs. Wow, really? So, uh, you know, excluding the Super Bowl last year, I don't know if they were the home or the away team. It was technically in the Rams stadium, but it's supposed to be a neutral site for Super Bowl, so yeah, I'm not going to count that. But the three games leading up to that, they were on the road. So they're undefeated on the road in the playoffs. And so uh, it'd be interesting. And then... You know, Josh Allen, I, uh, you know, he's, he's asked to do so much for the team. He, he turns the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you consider interceptions and fumbles, nobody had more turnovers than Josh Allen this year, including Dak, who everyone talks about his interception problem. Uh, but nobody wants to talk about Josh Allen's turnover problem in general. That's okay. So. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's obviously an issue, but... At the end of the day, he is still a, I would argue, top five quarterback in the league. Um, top three, and you could probably. say, you can say that that's the team every day you want, but really look at the entire team. His real only target, is Stefan, obviously has Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis, but his offensive line doesn't give him time to throw it to those smaller guys, to those slot receivers. Um, you know, watch a full game with him. Yes, he's going to throw it a lot. He's going to throw it to Dawson Knox and Stefan a lot, or he's running the, the ball himself. Um, and obviously being 6'6", 240, I believe, 6'5", 240, uh, that's a big man moving that fast. I mean, he is very fast for his size. Um, so, you know, like I said, the, the offensive line uh, issue is, I think, what's leading to a lot of these uh, turnovers as far as interceptions and then for being forced to run when he's not ready to, you know, he can run four plays in, in a row and then that fourth one or that fifth one, he fumbles, you know, that's going to tire you out a lot. Um, you know, the other thing too is like at different times, McKenzie and Gabe Davis can have good games and can beat you. Um, but they're just really inconsistent. Like they're not going to do that every week. Yeah. Um, so when we say the only person he has to throw to is Diggs, we're talking more on a consistent every week, no matter who they're playing, you know he's going to show up and you know he's going to ball out. 
and that's that's the only receiver they got. Um, you know, and then they're tight end Dawson Knox, like he always shows up too. But um, this is definitely the game with the best quarterback matchup for the weekend. So it's oh, absolutely, probably going to be the best game. May not be the most watched game, but it would be the best game probably. It will definitely be watched by me. It doesn't matter if I'm at home or if I'm on the course. I don't care. I will have this game on because it is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, and then last but certainly not least, and uh, you know, I, I know for people that listen to this, we we always have more to say when it comes to whoever Dallas is playing. Um, but I mean, let's be honest, we're not sports broadcasters. We're not sports journalists, right? We don't cover the NFL for a living or anything like that. Um, and the team we follow the most closely is Dallas. So obviously we're going to have way more things to say about the Cowboys than we do other teams, but we try and at least find some nuggets here and there about every team. So that way we can talk about everyone that's playing well and all the big games, but you know, when we spend a lot of time on our team, it's not just because we're a fan of theirs. It's because we have the most information on them because the teams that we watch the most. And this isn't our full-time yeah. job. So, you know, we can't spend hours and hours and hours every week researching all the same nuggets for every single team. You know, we, we both have other things that keep us busy full-time Monday through Friday, sometimes Monday through Saturday. Um, so... But, I mean, we, we do give you our best effort to try and cover every team as fairly as possible and try and give you different things to think about outside of just sitting here going, okay, the Eagles and Giants are playing this, so I think it's going to win. Okay, these two teams are playing this, who's going to win? So we try and make it interesting, but obviously we have more to say about the team we watch the most. So, uh, yeah, the last game of the weekend, Sunday night, Cowboys-Niners. And, of course, Cowboys are, you know, moving the goalpost again, right? So <laughs> Cowboys are going to be uh, one and done. You know, they, they can't they can't win a playoff game. Dak's no good. Dak plays out of his mind. Five touchdowns over 300 yards. Beats Brady by almost 20 points on the road. First time the Cowboys won a road playoff game in 31 years. And Yeah. 30 years, 31 years. Um, and, of course, now it's – well, of course you won because Tampa was a bad team and they had a losing record and Brady's washed and he's not good anymore and everybody expected you to win and all that. Yeah, but you won't win this week because you're playing a good team and all this stuff. But we all know. Let's just acknowledge it now. Let's get our bias out of the way. We all know if Dallas is fortunate enough to win the game, the next thing people are out of their mouth that people are going to say is going to be, well, the Niners had a rookie quarterback, a third-string rookie quarterback, last mm-hmm. pick in the draft, and this happened, and this happened. And, of course, the Cowboys won, because why wouldn't they? And all of that. So that's fine. It just is what it is. It's the life of a Cowboys fan. It's the life of being a Cowboys player. Everyone knows it. Everyone acknowledges it. So that's fine. That being said, what do you think about this game? I, I heard you got some interesting nuggets for us. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the Cowboys being uh, my team and everybody saying the 49ers were the best team in the league or, you know, one of the top teams in the league, you know, I had to fact check a little. Um, there was a 
I, I was, you know, looking at the teams, looking at who they've played, who they've lost to, who they've won against, how much, um, and obviously looking at stats. Obviously, the 49ers have dealt with some quarterback injury issues um, with Trey Lance at the beginning, Jimmy G um, probably half, maybe three-quarters of the way through. Um, but nonetheless, and obviously adding Christian McCaffrey helped a lot um, ever since they added McCaffrey, I don't think they've lost a game. Um, but, you know, this is a team at the end of the day that lost to the Bears, lost to the Broncos, um, lost to the Falcons. Obviously, losing to the Chiefs, that's not that big of a deal. The Chiefs are a great team. But some of their wins are not good. Um, you know, you had a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago where they almost lost to the 49, or to, I'm sorry, to the Raiders. They It was 37-34, and it came down to the very end. Um, they only scored 13 points on the Saints a few weeks prior to that. Um, almost losing to the Seahawks, who were a playoff team, obviously. I mean, there's just some games where they did not look great. And, you know, obviously Brock Purdy is doing amazing, and I'm happy for him. You know, Mr. Irrelevant, he's doing great. But, you know, at some point he's going he's gonna to have to lose. And it's either going to be the Cowboys defense put some pressure on him or, you know, they they face the Eagles or the Giants next week and they put some pressure on him. They make it to the Super Bowl. They're going to have to deal with Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills. And that's going to be really tough. At the end of the day, I think Brock Purdy will lose, you know, before the end of the year um, or by Super Bowl. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I agree. And and to be honest with you, it's one of those things where it's like, it's either going to be a situation where this is the best story ever, you know, NFL wise, like, you know, you know, of, of last pick in the draft rookie quarterback, quote unquote, Mr. Irrelevant takes over a team, third string quarterback and takes them all the way to the Super Bowl and wins like would be the best NFL story I can remember um, and I'm sure same goes for you um, I mean so I just don't expect that to happen because why why would I expect that to happen um, some other things I kind of want to talk about uh, regarding this game is you know that the 49ers are on a 11 game win streak 10 game win streak something like that uh, but since Brock Purdy came in and took over as the starter these are the records of the teams that he has played so he's played his first start was against the Dolphins at home Dolphins finished the season 9 and 8 finished the season 1 and 5 in their last 6 games uh, Buccaneers were 8 and 9 uh, Seahawks twice uh, finished nine and eight. Um, Commanders finished five hundred eight eight and one. Uh, the Raiders, who had benched Derek Carr, and the Cardinals, who played David Blau at quarterback. Um, so those are the teams that they have beaten with Brock Purdy as their starter. Um, and then I want to give credit to a Cowboys reporter. Uh, his name is Patrick uh, Walker. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, his at his uh, Voice of the Star. So, at Voice of the Star is where you can follow him. He's got great content. He puts out an article every week where he kind of breaks down the upcoming game. And uh, he calls it his version of 
football science, if you will. Um, and I just want to steal from, from that little article I read today. It's great. You should go check it out. It's at DallasCowboys.com. Um, so their combined record of games that Brock Purdy has started, the teams that he played, combined record of 44-57-1. and And when you look at the those teams and their defensive rankings in terms of points allowed per game, okay? So the Dolphins ranked 24th in defense and points per game. The Bucks finished at 13. Seahawks at 25. The Commanders were 7th, but they have no quarterback, so their defense is constantly put in horrible situations. Uh, the Raiders finished uh, 26th, and then the Cardinals finished 31st in defensive points per game allowed. Uh, so this weekend, when they play Dallas, who is uh, top three, top five in points per game allowed, um, you know, it's certainly going to be a different level of competition that Brock Purdy hasn't played against quite yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, an interesting one. We'll see how it, it plays out. Um, it, it'll be, nonetheless, it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, another thing I wanted to point out from uh, Patrick Walker's uh, article is he broke it down, uh, the 49ers and Cowboys points per game by quarter. I thought this was an interesting way of looking at the game. So you look at the first quarter, the 49ers offense averages 5.1 points per first quarter. Okay, not bad. Uh, for reference, the Cowboys average 5.4. So about the same. The 49ers in the second quarter average 9.2 points per game. Cowboys average 8.1. And then third quarter, the 49ers are at 5.3, Cowboys are at 6.2, and fourth quarter, Niners are at 7.1, and Dallas is at 8.0. Um, so you add that all, so you, so you look at that in, in totality, and the 49ers average a touchdown or less in every quarter except for the second, where they average almost 10 points per second quarter. And then Dallas, outside the first quarter, averages almost a touchdown every quarter. So, winning that second quarter, not letting the Niners take a lead and run away and hide from you, is going to be super important when it comes to keeping the game close in the fourth quarter. So, if they can win that second quarter, as Patrick says, then they have a chance to win the game, probably. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it'll be a fun one to watch, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, it's, uh, it, it may be... You know, Brock Purdy may be the real deal, or you know, Cowboys might be the real deal. So it'll it'll be fun, no matter uh, no matter what. Um, do you have anything else you want to cover for the games before we get to our game picks? No, I think that's it. Um, all right. Well, before we, well, I'll just tell you this. How about how about you give me your game pick for the Chiefs and the uh, Jags? And then game by game, I'll tell you what my pick is, and I'll tell you which one I thought you were going to pick, and we'll see if I was right or wrong. This one, um, kind of been going back and forth, like I was saying earlier about the Jags. You know, last week was a big game for them, but Chiefs coming off a bye week is very scary. Um, And it's Patrick Mahomes. That man carries that team single-handedly. 
Um, I'm going to say the Chiefs. Uh, point of clarification regarding the Chiefs coming off a of bye week made me think of it. Andy Reid in his career, okay, coming off a of bye week, whether playoffs or regular season, his record in games after a bye week is 27 and 4. Wow. So he does not lose coming off a of bye week. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so with that being said, and all things considered from our earlier discussion, I'm picking the Chiefs. And I thought you would pick the Chiefs. So uh, Next game, Giants and Eagles. I'm hopeful for the Giants in this one. Um, we kind of broke this one down earlier. Um, Eagles obviously being almost an eight-point favorite. It's tough to bet against them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Giants on this one. Okay. Um, I super want the Eagles to win. I mean, the Giants to win. Um, and you know, sometimes I text my brother during games when I'm watching the Giants, and I, you know, Dan, uh, Daniel Jones will make a good throw or a good play, and I'll text him. There goes Danny Dimes again. Uh, I just love that nickname for Daniel Jones. Uh. You know, I, I think I think Brian Dable, the coach of the Giants, has gotten everything he could out of uh, Daniel Jones this year, considering they have no receivers to throw to, really. Um, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be interesting. I think the Giants will have a chance to win it late. Uh, but I don't think they do, so I'm going to take the Eagles in this one. Okay. Uh, I thought you would pick the Giants, so I wrote that down. Okay. Uh, next game is Bengals and Bills. Bengals Bills. Um, I've been kind of going back and forth on this one, um, only because it's it's a great game, or at least it should be. Um, I, I'm rooting for the Bills a lot this year with everything that they've been through in the last half of the season. Obviously, you can say the same for the uh, Bengals because T. Higgins dealt with that too. Um, he felt very guilty for that, but uh, I, I'm just a, a big Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen fan, so I'm gonna go Bills. So you're changing your Super Bowl pick from last week already, huh? Because you had yeah. you had Niners and Bengals. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna change it. I think uh, I think I think they could uh, really make a rush. Obviously, the Bengals have a great team as well. Um, their I will say their receiving core is m- multiple times better than uh, than the Bills. Wow, I uh. Yeah, I had you pick on the Bengals because we had picked the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl, so I didn't think you were going to go Bills. Um, if it wasn't for that, I was going to pick Bills for you as my prediction, but I was like, oh, you picked the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl, so obviously you'll pick the Bengals. Um, yeah. I've always been a big fan of Josh Allen since coming out of college. Um, it would be cool to get a Chiefs-Bills 3.0 in the playoffs, third straight year. Um, and it would be a neutral site AFC championship game, which I think would be pretty cool to see. Um, it would be in a dome, so wouldn't have to worry about weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both offenses would thrive in that condition, by the way. Um, but I just I just don't see the Bengals losing to the Bills. I just don't. Joe Burrow plays mistake-free football more often than Josh Allen does, and he's got more weapons. The only thing that concerns me is the Bengals are missing three-fifths of their starting offensive line, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably why you changed your pick. Um, but I just I just trust Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and Hayden Hurst, and Joe Mixon. Uh, 
More Than I Trust, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Cole Beasley, and Dawson Knox. So okay. I'm taking the uh, Bengals in this one. All right. And then last but not least, uh, Cowboys at the Niners. Um, obviously, you know, we, we broke that game down. Um, and I'm not going to bet against my team. Uh, I'm taking Cowboys in this one. Yeah, I like I said earlier, I'm not picking against my team. I'm taking Cowboys as well. I think, and I said this last week, so I'll just reiterate it one more time. I said last week that the Cowboys are on a path to redemption on their way to getting back to the mountaintop, on the way to getting back to being world champions. And that started with taking out one of their boogeymen and Tom Brady. They were seven straight losses. They had never beaten Tom Brady ever. Um, so knock him out in the first round, on the road, get that road playoff win. Dak's second career playoff win. Um, so send Tom Brady into retirement. That's a fun thought to think about after all the years that we lost to him. Um, but yeah, I said mm-hmm. last week we we're going to do that. Then we we're going to go to the Niners and we we're going to get payback for what happened last year. The team has been thinking about that for a year. I mean, when you think about something for a year, do you know how motivated you are and focused you are when that thing comes around? Yeah. And you were, I, you know, I've seen it on Twitter and you sent me a couple on Twitter as well. Um, a lot of Cowboys players are commenting on it. You know they're they're hungry and I'm I'm liking it. Um, we haven't really seen this hunger from our team this year, so it's it's very exciting to see. You know, and and then you go back to back to training camp and Mike McCarthy's opening press conference. He said he made the team watch Dak's press conference after that Niners game last year. He made them watch Zeke's press conference after that Niners game last year, and he made them take notes over how down they looked, how upset they were. They watched the film of that game. They didn't throw it away. They didn't act like it didn't happen. They watched the film of that game and watched the Niners punch them in the mouth in the very beginning. They are more physical team. They are more ready to play. Cowboys play tight. They play like they didn't want to lose. And you know what happens in the NFL when you play not to lose. Instead of playing to win, you end up losing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think the Cowboys are focused. Um, Micah said today he loves being the underdog because if you're the underdog, nowhere to go but up. And, uh, you know, he, he hears it. He hears all the talk. He even said today we hear everyone saying Dallas can't do this, Dallas can't do that. And he said he loves it, makes him hungry. And he said this is where legends are made. And he said the bigger the game, the bigger the player. So I expect Micah Parsons to have a career day going up against the defensive player of the year and Joey Bosa, I mean Nick Bosa. Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. I think it'll be close. And how about this for some poetic justice? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Brett Maher, game-winning field goal. I like it. I like it. Build that confidence back up before the conference championship. 49ers call a timeout. The Cowboys get off the kick on the timeout, and he just absolutely shanks it. They line up and kick it again. And it goes through the uprights. How anxiety-inducing is that? Just thinking about it, dude. I, I honestly, as a Cowboys fan, hate any time that happens. But I love the the fairy tale ending. You got a final score. I got a final score. 
You say yours. I'll think of mine. 26-24. Okay. I'm thinking... Kind of put you on Man, the spot what here. a tough one. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm right in that same ballpark as well, though. I'm going to say 31-34. Okay. Weird score means there's going to be either a safety or a two-point conversion, but all right, I see it. I'll roll with it. Um, all right, so that'll do it for this episode. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this weekend's games. They're going to be great. Uh, this is probably the best weekend in football, this divisional round weekend, because there's no bad teams left. There's not going to be a blowout, probably. It's all going to be great games. It's going to be great teams. Uh, so sit down with your family. Sit down with your friends and enjoy uh, the great games. Um, just for fun, fun talk before we get out of here. Uh, I'm predicting that you're going to go 2-2 two and two this weekend, and I'm going to go 4-0 and oh in my game picks. Uh, and if that happens, I will win the season competition, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If you happen to get all of them right and I get two of them wrong or more, then you could tie me or take the lead, and there's only going to be two or three games left. So this could be a decisive be weekend. Decisive weekend. Um, if Brandon does lose the competition this week, uh, on the next episode we will have to listen to him write a very wonderful paragraph or two about how awesome of a brother I am. So I'm rooting for this to happen. I know you guys are too. Everybody wants to hear what Brandon has to say about his amazing brother. So can't wait for that. Or we could see it the other way around. I doubt it, but hey, they always say keep dreaming, right? So who am I to tell you not to dream? Uh, all right, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the all the listeners we have. Um, we'll be back sometime next week, Wednesday or Thursday. Record another episode. We'll uh, break down the divisional round games, and we'll look forward to conference championship weekend and uh, getting close to Super Bowl time, so it's exciting. Uh, for Texas High Sports, I'm Jesse. I'm Brandon. And we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.